Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I chat with Angela Cox, Mindset Mentor. She's had a really interesting life, an absolute roller coaster, uh, which is actually written about and she talks about in the, uh, in the podcast chat. She talks about self-talk and the power of that, especially affirmations and some deliberate practices that have worked for her in the past and how they can work for you. She talks about some of her techniques as well. It's a really interesting conversation, loads of value in there for you. I hope you, hope you agree. And as always, if you have any Comments, questions, you know exactly how to get in touch, either via lee at getknowledge.co.uk or via LinkedIn. And uh, hopefully, get to chat with you again. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the great pleasure of chatting with somebody who comes from uh, very close to where I live, which I've only just found out about. So I'd like to welcome Angela Cox, the Mindset Mentor. Hello there, Angela. Hello there, fellow uh, Baltimore. How are you? Yeah, I'm, ve- I'm very good. Thank you very much. Very good. What a, what a pleasant surprise that was about two minutes ago when I, when I found out. So um, <laughs> so for those people that don't know who you are and, uh, and apart from Bolton, where you come from, tell us a little bit about you. A little bit about me. So I have spent a lifetime really in corporates and consulting, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners um, are from that background. Um, And then I saw the light probably, where are we now, about 13, 14 months ago, um, a switch was switched on and I saw the light and decided I needed to do something very different. And so I've retrained in lots of different modalities, um, bringing together executive coaching, personal coaching and therapy. Um, And I now work with people who work in corporates and consulting to help them to deal with all of the stuff that lies beneath. Um, So huge, you know, huge shift in career for me, um, building a thriving business and absolutely loving it. So wow, um, yeah, that's where I am now. No, good. So, so, So you talk about the switch and the light. What was the light switch? So huge light switch personally. Um, I had post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosed in 2017. Um, That was a a result of lots of kind of childhood trauma that I had not, I buried it basically. I've not worked on it. I've not acknowledged it, but actually it was tripping me up year after year after year, all the way through my 20s and 30s. And in 2017, it literally came to a head I was diagnosed with PTSD, had to take time off work. And, you know, I was a director in a consulting firm. So to be in that position is really, really frightening. Yeah. And, you know, you literally can't function. You can't get through a day without crying and flashbacks and all sorts of things were going on. And I really had to take stock of who I was, how I was showing up in the world and deal with all of that stuff through great therapy. And when I kind of got out the back of the therapy, it was like, I need to do something different because actually happiness comes from inside of us. And of course, we all know that. But 
I was also feeling unfulfilled by the work that I was doing. And that unfulfillment was one of the reasons why I wanted to make a change. And so I'd gone on a real journey. I'd lost eight stones in weight. I'd become an athlete. So I'm a kettlebell athlete at the highest level. Um, Totally transformed all of my life. And then here I was dealing with PTSD and feeling unfulfilled in a work capacity. And so I had to make that final transition in terms of changing the work that I did. And in doing so, I've, you know, woken up completely and now feel like I'm doing amazing work every day. And it's just, it's just breathtaking, really. Well, so, so what is it? So I know in your intro, you did say you know, a few of the things that, that you do. So what, what is it that you do? What do you help people with? <laughs> So I have always been, as part of my work in corporates and consulting, I've always been everybody's coach. So I am the woman that people would come to when they had a problem to solve, a personal problem to solve quite often. Um, And so what I realized was, whilst I'm very good at kind of listening and advising and helping people to see how they can move forward, I didn't really have tools that can work at a subconscious level to really help the stuff that lies beneath. And I noticed this as well through my own therapy journey, which was the talking therapy was all brilliant and it got loads of stuff out on the table. But then when it was all out on the table, I was like, well, what do I do with it now? And it was all just there looking at me. And so I researched different modalities, things like havening, which deals with trauma, things like um, hypnotherapy, Um, something called matrix, which gets to your core belief, your core limiting belief in the very moment that you formed that in childhood. And I established that I needed this toolkit in order to help people actually move forward and to stop sabotaging and to get free of all of the stuff that was holding them back. Um, So I went through that therapy journey myself and and got myself free of all of my sabotaging behaviours, one of which was an eating disorder, which I'd had for 30 years. And now I help people to do that as well. So it's not just about kind of conscious stuff, because we're all very good at the conscious stuff, but it's about the subconscious as well and bringing both of those two things together to really set somebody free from all of the crap that they deal with every day. Wow. So I mean, you, you've um, you used the word subconscious and you had a subconscious tool. What is what is a subconscious tool? So things like hypnotherapy, which, you know, lots of people are afraid of. I think hypnotherapy, everyone thinks, you know, oh, my God, she's going to make me eat an onion instead of an apple and make me dance like a chicken. Have, have, you, ever done that? have, have you ever done that with anybody? I've never done that, I promise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can make you stick your hand to a table and believe that it's super glued there, oh. which is quite a neat party trick. But I never use that in therapy. Do, do, do you release? Um, do you release the hand from the table as well? Or do you just walk away? <laughs> it depends who it is, mate. Yeah. Depends <laughs> <who> it is. <laughs> but no, I mean, for the most part, hypnotherapy—you know exactly where you are all the way through the therapy. So you're you're in control. It's just you're not thinking with your conscious mind. So what we're able to do using that technique is actually get to the heart of issues. Get to the heart of how you think about yourself. And you know what, if someone's ever made you feel small in a situation, particularly at work, the fact is nobody can make you feel small. You're making yourself feel that way. 
because of the programs that you're running. And hypnotherapy allows us to reprogram those things, re-record, if you like, the tapes that you've recorded all of those years through your conditioning. We can re-record those so you start to see the world through a different filter. And it's a, it's a fabulous technique. So you call yourself the mindset mentor. Um, I do. What, what is it? Where did you? Okay, so I've got so many questions I want to ask. It's just the order I want to ask them in now. So, where, where did you come up with that name, and why? Why that name first? Um, yeah, we'll stop. We'll stop with that one, and ask another question in a minute. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all things really. I'm a coach. I'm a therapist. But quite often at the start of a journey, it's actually a mentor that somebody needs. So, you know, coaching is about the person finding the answers for themselves. But when you're completely stuck. When you are sabotaging, when you have a million things to do in your day job, sometimes you just want someone to tell you what it is that you need to do. And so I wanted to very much lead with that mentor title rather than coach. And I do, you know, spend a lot of my time in coach mode, don't get me wrong. But the mentor was the thing where, you know, I wanted to kind of set myself as that person who can really guide you and show you the way on your journey. Um, and, and mindset for me is what it's all about because, you know, me switching to a positive mindset has helped me change my life. Um, and I'm really keen to help other people do the same. How does somebody know that they need you? What are the, how does somebody know? Yeah. Yeah. What what are the things? What are the things? Yeah. What I get you. Um, they will be doing things like drinking too much. They might be binge eating, they might be restricting food, they might be beating themselves up, they might be sitting in meetings with an idea but not being able to say it because they're worried about what people will think. And then when Fred says it instead, they're like, oh God, why didn't I say that? They might have relationships that are dysfunctional, they might think that um, when somebody leaves them that that's because they're not good enough. So they might be running things like abandonment programs, which come from our childhood where parents didn't either show enough love or actually they weren't even present in our childhoods. And that creates this fear of abandonment. There are so many aspects and even more simplistic things, you know, so not not necessarily trauma driven, but things like not being able to get up and speak on stage for fear of going red or for fear of messing things up. You know, I can work with people on a wide spectrum from trauma all the way through to more practical elements. And is it a one-to-one basis or a team basis or business basis? Is it just who are the people you work with? So I work with um, lots of people from corporates and consulting backgrounds, but also, you know, people who work in the NHS, people who don't even work at all. And, and, you know, they're, they're coming to see me because they have a problem to solve and those people just just need help and i'm if i can help them and i i know that i've got something that will make it better then i will got you got you okay and did i see somewhere that you've, you've written a book a book oh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, welcome back up north yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i i have written a book ah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wrote a book in 2016, which is the story of my life, um, which I'm told is a difficult read. So if you're of a nervous disposition, you might not fancy it. Um, But it tells the story of my life, which is about abuse and about eating disorders, which I didn't even know I had and 
binge eating from the age of nine and failed relationships. And my God, you know, it is a kind of story of woe. Um, but then what I did to transform that. So, you know, the weight loss journey, the becoming an athlete, um, competing, meeting Joe Wicks, the body coach, um, just so many amazing things that happened in a really short period of time. And then I talk about when the wheels fell off with the PTSD um, diagnosis and picking myself back up from that. And what I then do in the second half of the book is share all of what I call my deliberate practices So those from a a lean background, which I was once back in the day, you know, we talk about deliberate practices as being things that we need to do in business. Well, I come from a standpoint that we also need to do that in personal too. So I have a a number of deliberate mindset practices that I carry out every day that keeps me on the straight and narrow. And I share all of those in the book. Oh, wow. Okay. So that for me differentiates the difference between um, a mentor and a coach. The fact that you've been there, you've done that, you've lived through it and you've got the, the, the stories to tell. Um, so what are some of those deliberate practices? So affirmations is a big one for me. So I'm a, a huge believer that self-talk is where it all starts. So, you know, I have this thing called Miss Meddler. Um, Miss Meddler is my inner critic. And Miss Medlow was most definitely in charge for far too many years of my life. Yeah. And I, I was talking to Martin, my husband, about this this morning. It's like when, if you're, if, you, from, if you're from Spain and you speak Spanish, when someone is speaking to you in English and English is your second language, you listen to what the English person says. You have to convert it into Spanish in your head you formulate the answer in Spanish and then you translate that into English in order to say it back. So you're going through this process. It's exactly the same when you have a vulnerable landscape in your brain, you've had trauma, you're running programs like not being good enough. What happens is you take in a situation and experience or what somebody is saying and you apply a negative filter to it and make it mean something negative. And actually, it's not negative, it's neutral when it comes in. Yeah. And what you have to do, I believe, through deliberate practice is that just like the Spanish person translating English, you have to take that negative filter, reframe it into a positive, and then say that positive out loud to yourself so that you're training yourself to think, act, and behave in a completely different way. And so for me, daily affirmations, daily visualization are a huge part of what keeps me grounded and what keeps me moving towards authenticity. And I have this one affirmation and it's called I can and I am. Okay. Um, I'm sort of known for it now. It's, I say it all the time. And I can and I am got me to, uh, got me to jump off a 16 feet platform on a half marathon obstacle race that I was doing, Lee, into freezing cold water. And I can't swim. And I have had a fear of water since the age of God knows what. And I did it using I can and I am. Wow. So go on then. What is is I can I am? I can and I am is an affirmation where you're saying to yourself, as if it is already your truth, I can do it. And I am doing it. So a lot of people will say I can and I will. But I will is kind of a bit wishy-washy because it means you might or you might not. Whereas I can and I am is suggesting to your subconscious mind, I'm already doing it. There's no negotiation. And before you know it, you're in the water. Got you. Got you. Okay. And and you you recommend that people use that for 
all different types of situations? I can and I am is kind of like a catch-all. Yeah. But you can also develop your own set. So if you've got if you've written some goals for yourself, you know, so for example, you might write a goal to say, um, I want to lose a stone by Christmas, because most people want to lose weight. So I want to lose a stone by Christmas. You would then write an affirmation to support that, which is suggestive that it's already your truth. So you would write, I am enjoying being a stone lighter, or I am enjoying being a size 12 on Christmas day with my family wearing, you know, such an outfit, a fancy dress or a, um, a nice pair of trousers. Yeah. So you develop an affirmation which supports your goal, which is based on the outcome that you're working towards. Got you. So when you did that, that was like, that was like forward frame to Christmas day. So that when you look in the mirror, you still are seeing who you are seeing, but you're saying that, like, kind of going, okay, in X number of months' time, I am. Is that totally that? Yeah, totally that. And it becomes your truth because it gives your your subconscious something to start working towards day after day after day. And before you know it, it's Christmas Day, and you are standing there a stone lighter because you've created it by focusing on what you actually want yeah. rather than what you don't want. Got you, got you. When you um, were talking about some of the deliberate practices earlier on, you used uh, Miss Medler. Is is, yeah. is is she the voice in your head? So Miss Medler is the voice in my head, and um, you can have your own, and you can call it whatever you want. And I would definitely suggest giving your inner critic a name. If you're sitting there going, "I haven't got an inner critic," I don't believe you, um, because every single one of us has one, and the purpose of the inner critic is actually to keep us safe. Um, and to keep us small and in our comfort zones so that we don't get hurt and we don't, you know, put ourselves in situations that might cause us angst. So it actually has a really positive purpose. But for lots of us who have a landscape in our brain that is vulnerable, caused through trauma and various things that have happened to us, if we have that, then Miss Medler or your version can start to take over and can start to stop you actually from moving forward. So starting to reframe the thoughts using affirmation and then using, I've got this technique called STARS, um, which is all about reframing a thought in a moment, can actually help you to retrain that inner critic and, and just silence it a bit. So wh why does giving it a name help? Oh, I just, I just like to imagine her like some kind of shriveled up woman um, you know, a bit older than me. And, and that just helps me to disconnect myself with her. Right. Okay. Um, you know, because that's not my thought processes. The things that she's saying are not what I want to connect with. So giving her a name and a persona helps me to realize that while she exists inside my head, she isn't part of me. Got you. Got you. And then STARS, is that an acronym for something? STARS is an acronym for something. Yeah, it's my technique so I wrote about this in my book and it is what I do to reframe negative thoughts in the moment so it's a bit like that English Spanish thing I was alluding to before um, so if you hear yourself berate yourself for something you would use stars to reframe in the moment so you the first element of stars is to take a step back so step back and the reason we do that is when we're in a negative spiral Changing our physiology actually helps to stop the negative spiral. So you switch on the frontal lobe of the brain and suddenly your brain is thinking in a different way. So you stop going 
down that negative route. Yeah. So step back. You then take a deep breath because what happens when you're being negative is often we can start to generate the fight or flight response and our adrenal glands go into overdrive and they start pumping out adrenaline, which is often then um, followed up by cortisol. Yeah. And so what we want to do is take a deep breath to calm down the system. And, and a deep breath means breathing in for four. Do this now, Lee. Breathe in for four. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether deep breathing down a podcast or will, will it work this? Thing? Okay. It will. Oh, go, go on then. Go on, go on, I'll breathe do. in for four and then breathe out for 11. And you should be able to feel your whole nervous system calming down. Yeah, it's quite hard deep uh, breathing out for 11 seconds. It is, isn't it? You have to kind of train your lungs to do that. But that, that idea of breathing out for a lot longer than you breathe in literally stops the adrenals from overacting, from overworking. Okay. So we've stepped back, we've taken a deep breath, we've calmed down our entire system. So then the next element of STARS is to actually acknowledge how you feel. So really lean into what you've just heard yourself saying and acknowledge how you feel about that rather than just dismissing it and burying it, which so many of us do with our feelings. So if it's stung or if it's hurt, acknowledge that. You know, I've just called myself a fat cow or I've just said that I'm useless. Yeah, that hurts actually. So I'm going to acknowledge that. And then I'm going to reframe it. So the R of stars is to reframe. So I'm going to reframe what I've said in a negative yeah. and change it into the positive opposite. And then once I've done that, I'm going to do the last part of stars, which is to say it out loud. And by saying it out loud and hearing, the, hearing yourself actually say those positive words, it acts in a similar way to affirmations in that it's you're hearing the positive and you're moving towards that new version of the truth. So the saying it out loud is the saying out loud what you've reframed. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. Got Absolutely you. that. Got you. Good, good stuff. No, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, earlier on, um, you, you said something, and, and I made a note here, competitive kettlebell. Yes. What's the <laughs> bloody hell? So I do this thing called kettlebell sport. Um, you, you'll have seen kettlebells, I'm sure. They're those weights with the handles on, for those people who don't know. Yeah. Um, I am the British champion and UK record holder in two um, parts of kettlebell sport. I lift oh, wow. a 16 kilogram kettlebell for 30 minutes, which is called a half marathon. And I lift a 12 kilogram kettlebell for 60 minutes, which is called a full marathon. And um, in, in, six, in the 30 minute one, I lift it about 400 times and in the hour one, about 900 Wow. And um, I'll be competing in Poland, the World Championships, um, in November, it, alongside my little girl. What, you're going you're gonna to beat your little girl? No, she's in a different category. Oh, right, okay. That, I thought, I thought Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she, she's qualified as well. She's been following in my footsteps. And, amazing. Uh, she's absolutely amazing. So, yeah, there we are. Well, how, how did you get into that? How does somebody find out about oh. competitive kettlebelling? So, so as part of my weight loss journey, I started to exercise for the first time in my life. And the trainer that I was working with is a kettlebell champion. So he got us into it and my husband was into it already. Um, and then I went along to one of my husband's competitions and was just like, oh my God, I want some of this. Yeah. Um, and so I started training and that was just over about 18 months ago now. 
um, and I've had some gold medals and I've had some silver medals and just loved it. And so if you want to do it, there is um, the English Kettlebell Association, um, obviously for England, and they'll tell you where all of the different clubs are and the coaches. But it's, it's a worldwide thing. There are clubs in every country. So at the World Championships, there'll be people literally from all over the world competing. Wow. And you're going to Poland to do that. Is that right? Poland, yeah. Oh, in wow. about six weeks' time. Amazing, amazing. So how old, how old's your little girl? She is nine. She got a gold medal yesterday in the competition. Oh my <laughs> god, maybe I should have been t- chatting to her. I tell you, she's like a little pocket rocket of inspiration. She's incredible. Um and yeah, she lifted yesterday two four kilogram kettlebells. Um, so not light things, and she did she lifted two of them, so one in each arm. Um, smashed it out of the park and got herself a gold medal. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. How, what, what, how did she? How did she get into that? Is it just following mum and dad? Is that is that what? Yeah, I mean, we train at home, so we train in the, our garage, and she would come in and sort of start saying she wanted to have a go, and and so we bought some smaller kettlebells for her, and and you know, some weeks she wants to, and some weeks she doesn't, and we just kind of go with whatever she fancies, really. But she has this way of just being able to rock up. And knock it out the park with very little training, whereas uh, my husband and I are like slogging it out most days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but that's what happens when you're over forty, Lee. <laughs> wow, wow! So the the Cox family kettlebelling—that's not that easy to say, is it? <laughs> Got a ring to it. That. it. It has, yeah, it has. No, brilliant, brilliant. No, uh, well, well done to her, and uh, and good luck to yourselves in six weeks' time. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, wow. I, I wasn't expecting to be talking about kettlebelling this afternoon. Anyway. Um, as you know, this uh, podcast is called Business Problems. So what do you think the number one business problem is that needs solving, Angela? Oh, my God. Okay. Oof. Well, if you'd have asked me that a few years ago, I would have said one thing that was probably quite corporate Um If you're asking me that now in my capacity and what I've learned, it's about a lack of authenticity. Um, and the reason I say that is because in all of the time that I worked in corporates and consulting, I would show up as an actress. So I'd be very mindful of saying what I thought needed to be said. Um, You know, I wouldn't necessarily um, speak my mind, particularly when there was lots of politics going on. Um, I'd very much wear a mask when sometimes that mask would involve aggression in order to be heard. You know, as a woman in quite a male-dominated consulting world, that was quite often needed. And I was never really, truly myself. And part of the reason for that is because I didn't know who I was on the inside. So when I look through that lens, I always talk about the fact that I've retired the actress. And it's probably a good job that I'm not in corporates anymore because I probably wouldn't fit huh. um, based on who I am now and, and you know the way that I show up. And an example of that, Lee, is not being bothered about my background, where I've come from, you know, the Bolton accent, which isn't quite as strong these days because I've not lived there for a long time. But, you know, I'd very much try and, and cover that up by being posher than I was <laughs> because I thought that's what needed to be the case when you were working in London. Yeah. So so now I kind of look through the lens of retiring the actress and becoming the person that I really am and showing up in that way and being authentic, which isn't always easy. And I can catch myself some days not being that and I've got to kind of 
reframe and you know step back into the shoes of who I actually am and what I've learned from working with lots and lots of senior leaders in this capacity as a coach therapist and mentor is there are loads of us doing that there are loads of us acting our way through our careers based on how we think we need to be rather than who we are and I think what that does and it's really sad is it really erodes who we are. And I think it leads to sabotage behaviors because it grates against who we were born to be. Yeah. And I feel that if we had more authenticity in the workplace, then actually people would thrive and, you know, they wouldn't need to go on leadership courses that teach them how to behave because they would just be behaving in the right way anyway. Yeah, completely, completely. And it'd be more trusting environment as well because you are, you are who you are. So I, how does somebody become more authentic? I really think it's about leaning into who you are. And to do that, you have to understand what's lying beneath. Um, so, so many of us have stories. You know, so many of us have pasts. And those pasts and all of that conditioning contribute to who we are now. And I think to get under the skin and uncover all of that stuff, it's like, you know, taking the lid off the pressure cooker that's inside of you and, and being brave enough to actually deal with what's in there. I think, and I'm not saying this just because I am only, hmm. I think you need help to do that from somebody else. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily have to be someone in my capacity, but you know, a trusted friend or a trusted advisor that you can actually start sharing some of your vulnerabilities with. Um, so that that's kind of like the, the deepest level of getting to, to who you are. But then I think, you know, a lot of people would be afraid to do that and I get it. So there are some things around just being cool with making a mistake. You know, so if you look at the work of um, the guy who wrote Black Box Thinking, whose name has just gone out of my head, Matthew um, Syed, yeah. you know, he talks about the fact that mistakes are okay and actually by taking a mistake and learning from it you kind of develop that growth mindset and and I think that lends itself to authenticity as well because quite often when people make a mistake they'll either look for somebody to blame or they'll look to be able to cover it up rather than putting their hands up and saying I made a mistake it's okay what did we learn from it so I think the first step towards being your authentic self is to get comfortable with making mistakes so how does somebody know that they're not being authentic? I think you, if you really sit and analyse your behaviours, you know, you know at your, at your deepest core level that you are not showing up as yourself. Yeah. So it's just taking that step back and looking in the mirror and saying, am I being true to who I really am? And you'll, you'll know the answer to that. You might not be inclined to do anything about it because it feels too scary, but you know deep in your heart whether you are putting on a mask when you show up in the workplace yeah perfect perfect so i mean when i um so probably about two two years ago now so i've got tattoos on my arms and the first time that i used to meet people i'd make sure i wore something long sleeved because i was yeah. self-conscious about what people may may think um and then the more comfortable I am in a particular situation, you'll see my uh, my shirt get rolled up one one little bit more and a little bit more <laughs> and then a little bit of the tattoo will come out and, and stuff. And for me, it, authenticity is about is about 
make it not worrying about about that and just being me. The the tattoo is just an analogy for that, really. I guess, and it's it's more about in all aspects of my life. Um, yeah. Okay. No. Good. It's a perfect example you've just given. It's a brilliant example. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks. So right, if if somebody is um is is not themselves um and then they want to work with you, what would how how would you approach that? What would what would the first session look like when they would uh, they'd knock at your door? Sound effects <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, they'd knock at your door. You'd let them in, and then what what would you do with them? <laughs> so I well I have a, a room in Bedfordshire at my home, and then I have a, a room in Holborn as well. But I also work with people over video call who are all over the world. So lots of different options. But the the essence of the first session is called the breakthrough. So I have this client journey and the first step of the client journey is the breakthrough. And that's about understanding how, you, how your recorded programs have come to be. So I'll give you an example. You ha- I have a lady who shows up and she says, I've got to do this thing. I've got to go and step on stage in front of a hundred people. And I just can't do it. Whenever I think about it, you know, I, I go to pieces get really hot and bothered and I've not even done it yet. It's just the thought of it is making me feel like that. Yeah. So I could work with her to kind of give her loads of confidence and stuff, which might last for that moment, but that's not going to serve her. So what I do is I get her to tune into that feeling that she has when she thinks about this, this thing that's in front of her standing up on stage and she'll feel that in her body somewhere. And then I use this thing called the matrix so no leather jackets were involved in the matrix, <laughs> but I basically get her into a, a semi-hypnotic state and I ask her to go back to an earlier time in her life when she's felt like that. And the, the subconscious mind will bring her a memory. We go into that memory, have a look. And again, we ask, we ask to go back to an earlier time where she's felt how she had in that memory. And what happens is by going through four or five or six memories, we end up back at maybe age five where she's in school, in the classroom, and she's been asked to stand up and recite something. She's made a mess and everybody's laughed at her. Yeah. So that's the core memory where she forms the belief that she can't stand up in front of people because everybody will laugh. Yeah. And she hasn't got a conscious memory of that necessarily and therefore isn't connecting that with the problem that she has today, but it's that that's driving her reactions and her responses. And so we reprint that, and which is kind of a really beautiful technique. We reprint it. It has a different meaning. And if you're familiar with quantum physics, the idea that our past is happening at the same time as now, go and look at Bruce Lipton's work. It's incredible. By reprinting that memory when she was five or six, it has a change in her behaviors from today. And people leave here. And the next thing that happens is they ring me up and they'll go, you're not going to believe this, but this happened today and it was amazing. And I go, that'll be the matrix. Yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. No, good stuff. Um, Thank you for that. And so what's, what's next for you, Angela? Oh God, so many things. Yeah. Um, Well, and and I have got no idea where this is going either because we've been talking about so (laughs) many different things. I know. I mean, you know, I am sort of businesses 13 months old now. I am, um, I've won loads of awards this year. Everything has just literally rocketed. It's amazing. 
Um, I've got some more learning to do. So I'm, I'm on a few more kind of um, development courses this year for different modalities and techniques. I'm starting, I can't quite believe I'm saying this, but at the end of this month, I'm starting a postgraduate certificate. This is a woman who's never had a degree, by the way. Um, but I've, I've been accepted to do a postgraduate certificate in neuroscience and psychology at King's College London. Oh, wow. Uh, so that starts at the end of this month. I thought, I thought, I thought that then I you were going to say it was at Bolton Institute of Higher Education. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought you, I thought you were coming now. home. <laughs> I just can't cope with the M6. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> They're like shock. so I'm starting there I'm thinking um, we need to increase the number of days that I do in London because the demand is huge so um, we've got that to look into I've kind of I've launched um, a kids journal called the happy path um, which has got monster meddler in it Um, I see what you did there you know what always thinking Um, so that's that's gone it's gone crazy so that's becoming a brand on its own right, so, and, so yeah. what is that kids thing so it's a journal for four to eleven year olds my children helped me to write it it's essentially a story about monster meddler which is the kids in a critic and how that works and then slove is um represents self-love so the two monsters the brain buddies live inside our kids heads Monster Meddler tries to show them the wrong way to do things and Slove helps to reframe it and give them the right way to the happy path. So there's a story that kind of brings that to life. And then there are the deliberate practices such as reframing thoughts, using a version of stars that is right for kids and gratitude and how you've used your helping hands to help other people. Um, So um, worry time Wednesday, Lots of different practices that they can do on a weekly basis over a period of 16 weeks to build that growth mindset and promote happiness. Oh, well, where, where do people find that? So it's on my website at the moment. Um, it's just been endorsed by Sid Sloan from CBB's fame. Um, and, and therefore, we're creating it as a brand in itself. So there will be a website specifically for the Happy Path coming shortly. But at the moment, it's on my website. Um, and I can give you the links and stuff, Lee. Amazing. What do you do in your time off? Do you have any time off? Uh, I do. I have loads of time off. So Mr. Cox and I like to escape and have uh, a little weekend away every every six weeks or so for our little connectivity time. I've got two children and I spend time with them. I've got um, a dog, so I go out for lots of walks, which is my thinking time. I listen to lots of audio books. And of course, I do my kettlebell training. Yeah, wow. Do you, uh, do you have to pay extra baggage for your luggage, for your kettlebells? <laughs> Thankfully, they'll have them over there because, you know, I'm a girl. I need lots of stuff, so I've got no room for kettlebells. Yeah, no, I was, I was worrying for you a minute then. Uh, what's the worst advice you've ever been given? <laughs> oh, my God. What's the worst advice I've ever been given? Um, I don't know. That's, that one's floored me, that, Lee. I'm not often floored. Um Oh, God, no, I can't even think. What's the best advice you've ever been given? And so, so and the reason why I like asking the worst is because people generally know the best advice they've been given. Um, yeah. But what's the worst? Great advice? question. I love that. I'm going to ponder on that one and, um, and have a think about the worst one. Best advice I've ever been given. Um, I guess that comes from my granddad. So my granddad's one of my big inspirations and he's no longer with us. Um, but he, when, when I was growing up, was kind of my constant in a world that was full of trauma and, and mess. 
and um, he used to run his own business and, and he did very well for himself out of that business. But he used to say to me the, the fact that happiness comes from within and, you know, you can, you can wake up every day and be happy regardless of anything else that's happening to you. And as a little girl, I remember thinking that that was crazy. And, and it's only now when you talk about positive psychology and that's kind of the essence of positive psychology, this idea that we, you know, we create our own happiness and it is something we choose. I now look back and think, oh my God, how right was he? Yeah, yeah. And if only I'd taken that on board when I was seven. Yeah, <laughs> Life wow. would have been so much different. Wow. But, but you're bringing that to people, I'm guessing, kids of seven years old in your kids' journal. Totally, totally yeah, that. Amazing. Totally. Hey, very good. Oh, worst advice I've ever been given, I've oh, just yeah. remembered it, that the best way to lose weight is to drink meal replacements. And I tell you what, for a woman who was overweight for, for the best part of 30 years of her life and significantly overweight and did those stupid meal replacement diets over and over and over and over again. Yeah. That was definitely the worst advice I have ever been given. Why? Because they just ruin your body, your metabolism, and all they do is make you lose weight in the short term. And then as soon as you go back to eating again, you put it all back on and more. And I did that thousands of times. It's crazy. So all I lost was loads of money <laughs> by investing in these things. Yeah. Didn't, you know, didn't lose any of the weight long term. Yeah. Now I eat loads and loads and loads and I've sustained my weight for the last four years. So go figure. Yeah, bloody hell. Good on you. Good on you. So where can people find out more about you? Oh, so I have a, a thriving social media. I post po like positivity and inspiration most days. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. Um, so mindset underscore mentor underscore Angela underscore Cox. I oh. wish I'd have chosen a short. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, that's four underscores there, I isn't it? Tell you. <laughs> I know. So I'm there and I've got a Facebook page, which is mindset mentor. And you can access all of those via the website. So www.angela-cox.co.uk. Perfect. Which do you find is your most successful social media? I'm definitely an Instagram girl. I do post everywhere. Um, at one point I had a, a Facebook group with 25,000 people in it and wow. then I decided to close it You're joking. and everybody thinks I'm bonkers, but it goes back to that authenticity piece. You know, it's not about numbers of followers. It was about that group had reached its fruition. You know, I, I felt that it had got to a place where my journey was starting to move on from being that kind of on that weight loss journey. And so I decided to finish it and start up a different one um, with a different theme around mindset. And so it, you know, followers and things like that seems to be what everybody raves on about at the moment. And for me, it's about just having a tribe that wants to be part of your journey for whatever reason, rather than it being about thousands and thousands of people. So yeah, I chose to close it and people think I'm nuts. Wow, yeah, and no, that's a really brave. I, well, I'm sitting here now thinking, bloody hell, yeah, that's that's really brave thing to do. But it's obviously paid off for you as well. Well, you know, it's just it's just doing the right thing at the right time. And if I ever come to regret that, then I will. But um, it just felt right, and so I followed my heart and and you know chose a different path. No, amazing, amazing. No, good on you, good on you. And I am conscious of the time. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've got some uh, some dinner to eat or tea to eat. Depends uh, 
whether you've got the Bolton still inside you or not. Um, <laughs> uh, what what is for tea in in the Cox house uh, in the uh, in the competitive you know, kettlebell Cox household? <laughs> what do you eat? I bought um, a slow cooker recently, so yesterday I made um, like a lentil dal in that. So we've got that for lunches this week, and then I've made a lamb, like an Irish lamb stew. Um, so the kids and Martin will be having that. I've actually got clients this evening because I work late on Mondays, oh, so wow. I'll be having that about eight thirty tonight. But what what do you not do, Angela? I tell you what, I try and be the best I can in all aspects. I fail often. But I just keep getting up and trying. No, good on you. Good on you. Um, right, so I, I am conscious of the time. You are a busy, popular girl. I just want to say thank you very much for your for your time uh, th- this afternoon. It's been uh, it's been amazing. So hopefully, um, I will get the opportunity to uh, to chat to you again um, soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Angela. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.